It is time to get ready. Ready for what, you ask? Good question. The holidays. Now, I'm not talking about all the shopping that you need to do, the grocery shopping, the uh, presents, all of that stuff. I mean, it's time to get ready so that you can survive the holidays. Now, you might sound like, oh, Joe, come on. What are you talking about? Why are you saying survive the holidays? The holidays are a joyful event. And maybe for you, they are. They are actually for me. I I love the holidays, particularly Thanksgiving. we got Thanksgiving here in a couple of days. I'm looking forward to it, not just because of the football, not just because of the great food, but I love to get together. I love what Thanksgiving means, to be grateful, to be thankful, to just be blessed in the presence of other people. Now, that being said, I want you to also understand that it might not be a good time for everybody because maybe you've got a favorite uncle or aunt who drinks too much. Maybe that's you. Maybe you eat too much. Maybe you can't stand being with that biological family of origin that you grew up with. And you said, oh my gosh, I got a 3,000 miles to go fly and be with them. This is terrible. Now, I don't know if that's the case or not for you. But I know for some people, as a therapist, holidays can be extraordinarily difficult because it's connected with all sorts of terrible memories, memories of neglect, Memories of drunken parties, memories of being hit or abused. And so sometimes you have to prepare yourself by recognizing that other people might really be struggling. So what are some practical things that you can do to actually prepare for the holidays? Now, I'm going to let you in on what might be the most obvious thing that you can do and say, oh, come on, Joe, really? (laughs) You're a therapist and this is the best advice you can give? Well, it is one of the most important pieces of advice. And you probably, as natural as this might seem, you probably forget to do it in a way that can help you to soothe your body and to calm the soul. See, when you're anxious and stressed out, your breathing actually becomes shallower. And that can have a negative effect on your mood and your body. And the simple act of taking a deep, slow, calming breath can just relax you. It can lower your heart rate and your blood pressure. So again, you don't have to go to some guru in India to figure out how to breathe. You've been breathing your whole life. But maybe what you need to do is to remind yourself to slow down and actually enjoy the breath. Take a deep breath in through your nose. A count of three, for instance. Hold it for another count of three. And then just let it out through your mouth slowly. Count of six. And the reason why there's nothing magical about these numbers, but you just want to get in the habit of really slowing it down. Now, I want to begin with some ideas from Scripture. As you think about your preparations, as you think about meal preparations, as you think about having to give all these gifts and everything else, I want to start with a couple of meal preparations, and maybe you can look at your own meal preparation in this way. Jesus gets out of the boat. And he slips away. He goes, oh man, I need some time by myself. But he's unsuccessful. This is one of those stories in scripture where you could say Jesus was unsuccessful. He wanted to get away and he couldn't do it. And maybe that's what you feel right now. It's like, I really don't want to do this. But unsuccessfully, as you might be, you might be forced to actually spend some time. But that can be okay. Because what did Jesus do? A lot of people got wind that he was around. They start spreading news. Hey, Jesus is here. He does all these miracles. And they come to him. And he was overcome with pity. And he healed the sick. 
So again, your first inclination might be, oh, I want to escape. But maybe this holiday season, whether we're talking about Thanksgiving or Christmas or Hanukkah, whatever it is that you celebrate, maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about the healing that you can provide for other people. Now, here's where it changes. The story gets very interesting. Jesus is healing all these people. Evening approaches. They say, hey, it's getting late. Let's get rid of these people (laughs) so they can go home and eat. Now Jesus turns to them and he says, no, don't dismiss them. You give them supper. Now, again, I think this is God's call to say, you might not know how you can do this, but you are to give in this moment. So when you look at these holidays as not what you're going to give in terms of your presence, but what you can really offer because of your presence, your just willingness to be there. And you might again say, rightfully, I can't do this. I don't have the capacity. Because that's exactly what the disciples said to Jesus. Oh, we can't do this. We can't feed thousands of people. All we have is five loaves of bread and two fish. (laughs) Not much of a Thanksgiving meal, it sounds to me. But then Jesus said, bring them here. Bring me what you've got. And he has the people sit down. He takes the loaves and the fish. He lifts his head to heaven in prayer. He blesses it. He breaks it. He gives it to the disciples, and they all eat. They have a feast. They have a feast. But I think the feast that they really enjoy is that this came from God. You can give people turkey, you can give them ham, you can give them steak, whatever it is on your holiday menu, but what your real job is to do is to share the love of God, to come together to remind people that they're not alone. Thousands of people were fed. Now, the next gospel story I want to share, I think it's Luke 17. I forget all of a sudden. I didn't write it down. But as soon as this meal was finished up, right, Jesus said, okay, I need a break. You guys take the boat, go across the water, and I'll catch up with you. He disperses the crowd. But again, what does Jesus do? And this might be your reminder. He climbs the mountain so that he could be by himself and pray. And he stayed there alone late into the night. So this is my next advice, piece of advice for you. With all of this giving, with all of the commotion, with all of the people you might need to figure out when it is that you can make your escape. This is what Jesus did. There aren't a lot of places, I would say, that Scripture speaks directly about self-care. But if you look at the life of Jesus, I think he really portrayed what it is that is important, which is to get away, to escape the hoopla, so that you can connect with God, so that you can breathe. Now, here's where the story picks back up, right? He does this. He feeds the multitude. He gets off by himself. He prays. He starts to walk across the lake, and the disciples see him. And they do what good disciples should do. (laughs) They freak out. Oh, my gosh, who is this guy walking on the water? They think it's a ghost, literally. And they cry out in terror. Now, again, there are going to be these times when you look at the family, when you look at your history, and you're going to cry out. But who are you crying out to? Do you have a place to bring your stress, to bring your fears? Because they cried out and Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage is me. Don't be afraid. Before you cry out, before you scream at your relatives, 
Think about taking that time to cry out to God, to bring your concerns, your worries, your needs to him. Now, again, the story goes on, and this is probably my favorite part, one of my favorite gospel stories, not just because it has to do with water. And you think, oh, Joe, you're so shallow. You love talking about the water. Well, it's the gospel. (laughs) So Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. He said, Master, if that's really you, call me to come on the water. Come ahead. Now, here's the important point. Peter is literally doing the impossible. He's walking on water. Why is he able to do this? Well, he kept his eyes on Jesus. As soon as he looks down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he does what you and I would most likely do. Blub, 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 go down. So again, during this holiday time when you feel stressed out and worried and how am I going to find a parking spot at the mall to buy more gifts that I don't really need and other people don't need, (laughs) keep your focus on God because otherwise you too will sink. Now again, Jesus didn't let Peter sink. He reached out, he grabbed him, he pulled him up. So if you feel yourself sinking, again, realize that God is there. Now, there are some activities that you're probably really looking forward to. I know I am. Thanksgiving, I like to eat a lot. (laughs) But also, you've got to recognize that this is a time where you're probably more likely to overindulge. Remind yourself to eat healthy and exercise, right? It sounds so cliche. You've probably heard it a million times. But balancing your eating with physical activity, especially during the Uh, holidays can help you to manage your stress and regulate your emotions. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's like, oh my gosh, I've got to do all these things. What is your sleep like? Are you abusing alcohol? Are you exercising? Even Paul, in his letter to Timothy, he said, oh, Timothy, you've been raised on the message, etc., etc. He said, now I want you to pass on this counsel to the followers of Jesus there. He said, exercise daily. He didn't say go to 24-hour fitness. He said exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness. Now, he even says this, workouts in the gymnasium are useful. (laughs) So again, even in scripture saying, yeah, go into the gym. It's good stuff. So exercise, but remember, don't just exercise the body. Exercise that spiritual being that part of you that longs to connect with what is most important, which is God. Now, you've got to plan ahead. Or as somebody said once, cope ahead. (laughs) What does that mean? How do you cope with what doesn't actually happen, hasn't happened yet? Well, you've got to expect the unexpected during the holidays. The unplanned guest who shows up, you burn your cookies, which will never happen to me because I'm happy with Oreos. So I just buy them at the store if I want a cookie. But maybe that cookies is really a thing. You know, you got to step back. You've got to anticipate that not everything is necessarily going to go as well as it planned. As it's, planned. it's not a Hallmark movie. I loathe Hallmark movies. <laughs> oh, Joe, you are a real curmudgeon. No, I don't. They're just too cliche. <laughs> you know, a you know, boy makes girl, they get separated, his wife died, now they're going to right, and they get together at the end. Look, it's not a Hallmark movie. You know, these holiday meals can be tumultuous. They can be difficult. But if you actually anticipate that, if you recognize that, then you can actually practice that. Practice, visualize seeing yourself deal successfully with the mess. 
Not everything's going to work out well. I'm not suggesting, oh, just visualize that everything will be perfect. No, hogwash, that's nonsense. It's not realistic. It's not going to happen. But no matter what happens, if you practice some things like saying to yourself, you know what? It doesn't have to all go according to plan. I'll be okay. I've survived previous unexpected incidents. I've survived other holidays. It'll be okay. You know, there might be some mantras that you even rehearse. I'm doing the best I can right now. I'm only human. I can cope with this. With God helping me, I can do anything. And in fact, that's what Paul says in this letter to the Ephesians. With God, you can do anything. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess in your, or request in your wildest dreams. So again, don't think that you can't do it because you look at your own capacity and say, I'm kind of underwhelming. <laughs> I don't really have a lot to give. Okay, I get it. I felt like that before too. But God working through you now, is it possible that you might just survive the burnt cookies or that uncle who shows up or that relative who gets drunk? Exercise your faith in these times. Now, a lot of times you might get burned out because you think, oh, I give and I give and I give. But you know what? If you look at this as an opportunity to grow in holiness, to build character, giving a, a gift of, of laughter, of volunteering, doing something thoughtful or surprising for somebody else, that actually has been shown to reap benefits for you. When you actually give, you're helping that person who is the recipient of your giving, but you too benefit by that. Why? Because you feel good when you contribute to somebody else's life. It helps you to find meaning and gain perspective. Now, I don't have a problem with this. I love to laugh. People know me. It's like I'm somewhat obnoxious. (laughs) I'm that guy you want if you're a new comedian and you're at the comedy club. I'll laugh. But you know what? There's a certain spirituality you could say about laughter and I'll tell you what it is now again you can cringe you could get upset you could yell you burn the cookies oh my gosh I burned the cookies or you could say oh my gosh (laughs) I did this again I just can't make cookies without burning them fine laugh because believe it or not you exercise your faith with laughter as well Psalms 100, it's one of my favorite psalms. I'm just going to paraphrase it. But the psalmist says, on your feet, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. When you really believe, when you really recognize that God is there in you, moving through you, taking care of you, he's got your future in his hands, then you can relax, then you can laugh. And laughter, again, from a psychological standpoint, it reminds the brain that you're not about to be killed and eaten. (laughs) I know that sounds a bit dramatic, but when you're stressed out, when that part of your brain, the amygdala, that fight or flight mechanism gets triggered, that's exactly what's going on. It's preparing you to fight for your life or to run for your life. But when you're laughing, That actually sends a different message. It's like, hey, it's okay. Your life is going to be fine. Just relax. Step back. Prioritize. Just as you might consider, okay, I'm going to write out my Christmas list, the things I've got to buy. I'm going to write out a a menu list. Prioritize your do list, to-do list, 
that actually have real priorities in mind, like taking care of yourself, like loving other people, like deepening your faith. Remember God's wild, not wild, wonderful. (laughs) Remember this wild scripture. (laughs) No, this wonderful scripture, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, look, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, to take pride in you, to do his best for you? What I'm trying to tell you to do here, Jesus said, is relax. Stop being so preoccupied with getting. It's not about all these things that you have to do because then you can respond to God's giving. You might feel burned out. You might feel like I've got nothing left to give. Well, maybe you're not exercising your real faith, which is really to recognize what God gives to you. It's not even so much what you give to other people or give to God. It's what God gives to you. And that's why Jesus goes on and he says, steep your life in God reality, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out or messing up. You'll find all your everyday everyday human concerns will be met. And how can you get there? How can you actually demonstrate your faith? How can you actually say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relax? Well, this is something that's studied both in secular psychological circles <laughs> as well as an important principle in our Christian life, which is to practice gratitude, to express gratitude for the things. It doesn't necessarily mean everything is better. It doesn't mean it's going to change your circumstances. But it actually does decrease stress by reminding you of what is going right You can choose to look and see everything that's going wrong. I burned the cookies. Or you can choose to see what's going right. Wow, I have an oven. I can actually try to rebake these cookies. I'm with friends and family. We can laugh about this. It sounds cliche, but it's not. At least once a day, whether it's in the morning or at night when you lay your head down to go to sleep, write down five things for which you're grateful. You know, again, maybe, you know, you can be grateful that some cookies didn't get burned. But whatever it is, Lord, thank you for this gift of life. Thank you for this breath that you've given me right now. Thank you for the future that you offer me. You know, gratitude is so important because it calms the brain. And that's how you also live out your faith. The psalmist of 63, I can't remember who wrote this one. It's David or somebody else. It might have been David, but he says, I shout my praises. And he says, if I'm sleepless at midnight, I spend the hours in grateful reflection. I usually just toss and turn. And I do this <sighs> until my wife wakes up. It's like, what's wrong? I can't sleep. Oh, thank you. Now I can't. <laughs> but the psalmist was a bit more evolved than I I spend the nights in grateful reflection. And I would encourage you to do that, whether you're sleepless or worried. Reflect on the gifts that you've been given. Because the psalmist goes on and he says, because God, you have always stood up for me. I'm free to run and to play. I hold on to you for dear life and you hold me steady. Now Luke 17, one of the most important stories that actually focus on gratitude. Jesus enters a town, 10 men, 
all lepers. Man. And they call out to Jesus. Master, have mercy on us. Jesus looks at them, and he says, go show yourselves to the priests. That's it. And by faith, they just turn around, and they go. And they become clean. They're healed of leprosy. That's the only way you were healed of leprosy in that day. A miracle. One of the ten realizes that he was healed. And he turns around to shout gratitude, to glorify God. He kneels at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough. He was a Samaritan, Scripture says. But think about this. One in ten actually return to give God thanks. If you're anything like me, and I hope you're kind of (laughs) not, live your own life, utilize the gifts, the talents that you've been given. But think about that. This to me suggests that most of us, many of us perhaps, actually don't spend near enough time giving thanks, showing our gratitude. We're not 10 healed, Jesus said. Where are the other nine? He's looking for you and me to be grateful. Can nobody come back and give glory to God except this one outsider? Get up on your way. Your faith has healed and saved you. Your gratitude speaks of faith, of trust. Now, on a practical standpoint, I would say, have an escape plan, right? If you know that there's going to be people involved in your holiday festivities that push your buttons, figure out some ways sometimes that you can remove yourself to take a break. Maybe it's winter. Don't forget that coat and those heavy boots so that you can take a walk around the block, even if it's snowing. Find some space where you can just collect your thoughts to connect with God. And this is a godly principle. Jesus says, Matthew 11, are you tired? You're burned out. You're worn out. Come to me. Life is going to be burdensome. Life can be stressful. It can be overwhelming. God recognizes that. But what does God want you to do? To get away with him so that you can recover your life. He says, I will show you how to do it. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Sometimes you've got to get out of your head. And one of the simple practical things that you can do to get out of your head, to to reduce the stress, is just to write it out. Okay, God, I'm going to write about what's bothering me right now. You know, sometimes there's just so much information swimming around. Just take a few minutes and write down whatever comes to mind. Because just getting these thoughts out of your head and onto paper can help you to clear out your mind and decrease the stress level. Now, again, my suggestion is after you write it out, throw it away. You don't need to go back and say, oh, what was yesterday's stressful events? Because then that's just bringing your attention, your awareness to that again. Let it go. Get it out of your head. But look, this is a tough time. And if not for you, recognize that it is a tough time for other people. Make sure you stay connected with what really matters, your faith and loving others. And you've got to take care of yourself. 
I, I laugh sometimes. I try not to do it too often because I try to be a good husband. <laughs> hey, honey, what's that? Oh, it's essential oils. Oh, do you like cook the ribs in that? No. These are for bathing. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I say something like that. I actually don't get it. But look, if taking a hot bath and whatever essential oils you have, um, you know, with you, <laughs> go for it. Do it. Take some time to read. Take some time to exercise. Take some time to pray, to practice, especially during the holidays. Be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with others. It's a difficult time. And there's no quick fix for eliminating stress entirely. You're not going to do it. Don't worry about it. But if you do these things, you can learn to manage it, to mitigate the effects. I'll leave you with this. Luke chapter 6. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down because that hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people and you'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life and you'll find life given back to you, but not merely given back, but given with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. I will meet you back on the road. Until then, remember always forward.